today's lesson and one more uh, next Sunday. I've been praying about direction for our next series. I, I think I'm going to cover uh, some of the Bible characters, some great lessons we can learn for people in the Bible. I always enjoy learning things from those that God has uh, included in his word, and I think there's some valuable lessons. I always, I, I prefer to learn lessons from others than, than to make mistakes myself. And uh, it's always a joy to follow and, and study some of the Bible characters that God's given to us. Today we're in this lesson as we're going through these metaphors uh, from the Word of God that really just kind of helps us understand a little bit more about who we are and the character that we should have. Today we're talking about the fact that we are a child of the Heavenly Father. And if you're saved this morning, when you got saved, you became one of His children. And I can't think of a better thing. You know, people ask me sometimes, well, who are you? And I'll tell them first and foremost, I'm a Christian, and uh, I like to tell people that my Heavenly Father is God. And so today's lesson, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 5. And the Bible says these words, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons... God has sent forth the spirit of his son into, uh, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. A lot of great truths right here in these couple verses from the book of Galatians, but you know, in all the metaphors that we've been studying, and we've looked at some great ones uh, salt and light and being a servant and on and on and on. I can't think of one that to me is a more sweeter relationship than the fact that we are his children. And uh, I, I've enjoyed the study for today's lesson. And those of us who are parents, we know how precious children are. Now, they may not be precious all the time, but they certainly are a precious gift from God. And, you know, as a, as a father... I know when it comes to my own children that there is nothing that I would not do for my children. Uh, I mean, a lot of times I think about it and I've never regretted sacrificing, uh, making sacrifices as my children were growing up. Uh, I think about this sometimes when you think about your children, when, when they are experiencing some joy in, in their life, their joy is your joy. And when they're going through some times of difficulty, and when they're going through something painful in their lives, their pain becomes your pain. And uh, I see this a lot of times. Now, I might experience a little bit different as a, as a father more so than my wife as a mother. There's just something about that, that maternal aspect of being a parent. But as we care for our children, listen, no matter how much I care for my children, and I do, uh, my care for my children doesn't, it falls so short of God's care for us as his children. Uh, I mean, you, you just can't even compare the two because God loves us and God's love is unconditional. Uh, sometimes as a parent, we, we place conditions sometimes on our relationship. But I love that how God expresses this matter of children in the Bible, Psalm 127. He says, children are in heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And uh, I still remember when God gave us children, each one of them came into the world. And I remember how, how precious they were back then. 
and I know that they are still very precious to me in my life today. But listen, this whole aspect about being a child of God, it's a wonderful thing to know the Lord as our Heavenly Father. And when I consider this, I mean, there's a lot of great passages in the Bible. John is one that as he writes, the Apostle John, he writes the fact that, you know, of all the things, uh, and, and not only did John, you know, in, the, in his situation as a parent, but also understand that, that John had, like many of us, hopefully you have what we call spiritual children, uh, people that maybe you've, God used you instrumentally in their lives to help them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, maybe somebody that you've been mentoring along the way like Paul did with Timothy, and John was also, like many, he had what you would call spiritual children. And John is able to write here in, in 3 John verse 4 that his greatest happiness about his spiritual children, notice he says, I have no greater joy than to hear, he hears that my children walk in truth. And you know, I think God's the same way as our Father. I think God is well pleased when we're, when we're living our lives according to his word, according to the truth. And John says, look, that's the greatest joy of my life. I know my wife and I, we've discussed this over, over many over the uh, years about the fact that, you know, as a parent, you always want uh, certain things for your children. You always desire certain things for your children. And, and I, honestly, over the years, uh, it's all, for me, it's all boiled down to this, is that uh, I've, never, I've never pushed my children into ministry. I've never pushed them in a certain direction to do this or do that. But the, one, the two aspects that I've always desired for my children, number one, is that they would know Christ as their personal Savior. And secondly, that they would have a heart for God. That's the two things right there. It all boils down to those two things. And, and I, can, I can tell you this morning that it's my joy to know that all of my children are saved that they have a home in heaven someday because of their relationship with the Lord. But I can also say that all four of my children love God, have a relationship with God. And, and to me, that's one of the greatest joys as a parent. Now, some of you, whether it's now or maybe it was in the past, maybe you've had a child that has gotten away from the Lord. I just tell you, take hope because the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Uh, sometimes children will wander. Hey, listen, sometimes we've wandered. And, uh, and understand that God, God will, will continue to love them in spite of the fact that maybe they've gotten away. But again, we're talking about being a child of God this morning. So the lesson is this, is uh, let's look at three aspects that deal with our blessings and also our responsibilities as a child of God. Uh, many, many children don't understand their role in the family. And now that we are a part of the family of God, we need to understand our role. But I think it's also a blessing to understand some of the, some of the rewards, some of the blessings that we, we receive or are receiving because we're one of God's children. So notice, first of all, I want to begin the lesson on being a child of the Heavenly Father with becoming God's child. Now, this is a very basic, very elemental uh, point, and I'm going to share it anyway this morning and, and I, I believe everyone here knows Christ as their Savior, but let me just encourage you while I'm going through this first point of the outline this morning, that even though you may be saved, maybe this would be something to help you 
to help someone else that doesn't know the Lord as their Savior. So this matter of becoming a child of God, probably one of the neatest passages I like to go to is John chapter 3, where Jesus is having this conversation with a very influential religious man by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is, of course, he knows the Word of God. He's been, he's been well taught in the Scriptures. And, you know, you can be religious. You can go to church. Uh, you can give you, all these types of things and still be lost. And that's where Nicodemus was. He had a head knowledge, but he didn't have a heart knowledge. He had, hadn't come to the place where he knew Christ as his Savior. And, and he began to ask Jesus about how does one become a child of God? And by the way, this is a legitimate question for many today. A lot of people want to know. They might not ask, how do I become a child of God? They might say, how did you become a Christian? Anybody ever have any of these kind of conversations with people? I, I think a lot of times people are curious. Nicodemus, look at John 3, 3. After Nicodemus asked Jesus, Jesus says this to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be what? born again. Now that's a Bible word. The, the world wants to kind of throw that around and make fun of that. But again, the Bible says here, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We, we became a child of our parents when we were physically born. And you become a child of God when you are spiritually born. When you are, as the Bible says here, born again. And, and we know that the Bible says this, God is not willing that any should perish. You know what that means? God wants everybody to have a spiritual birth. We, we, if you're here today, you've had a physical birth. But God says, look, I want to make sure that everyone has a spiritual birth because he's not willing that any would perish. In other words, God would, his desire is that we would all be born again. And this is the conversation Jesus has with Nicodemus. Now, notice first of all this morning that God wants everyone to be his child. We all know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son, right? So, you know, the Bible says as you think about Jesus' role in us becoming a child of God, look what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 15. Notice these words, and that he died for how many people? all, that they which live, that's people that are born again, that put their faith in Christ, that they which live should not henceforth, from that time they, they become a child of God, that they shouldn't live unto themselves, but they should live unto him which died for them and rose again. So once a person saved, their life should be lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible also says this in the book of Romans, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. You know what that means? Anybody, everybody saved. Become a, become a child of God. God wants everyone. And so God gives what we would call an invitation. Now, we still extend an invitation at the end of our services. And the reason we do that is because it's not us inviting people. It's God inviting people to himself. And when God gives that invitation, which, by the way, it's an open invitation, it's a standing invitation, aren't you glad that God's invitation is still good today as, as much as it was the day Jesus died on the cross? And here's the thing is, people have two options. They can either accept it 
or they can what? Reject it. You see, God's given each one of us a free will to make that choice. And some will accept the gift of God and some will reject it. But notice the ones that accept it. Look what John writes in John 1.12. As many as, look at these words, received him. In other words, accepted the gift of God by faith. To them, the ones that received him, gave he power to become what? The sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Isn't that wonderful this morning to know the fact that God wants everyone to be his child. That means you, me, everyone. That means the person that has committed probably the most heinous crime in the world today. God wants everyone to be his child. But then look at this second point. God will never disinherit a family member. God will never disinherit a family member, and all God's people said what to that? Amen, right? You know what that means? God's not going to throw you out of the family. God's not going to say, hey, I don't love you anymore. God's not going to say, hey, listen, I thought that I wanted to save you, but I changed my mind. That's not going to happen. God's not going to disinherit a family member. A lot of people, and this, listen, this is something, <clears throat> and I, I've seen this more here in South Florida than any other place I've ministered. And listen to this, many people wonder if our relationship with God can be broken by sin. Have you, ever, have you dealt with this at all with anyone? A lot of people feel like because they got saved somewhere along the way, but then they sinned after they got saved, they felt like because of that sin that their, their relationship with God was broken by that sin. Are you with me this morning? You understand what I'm talking about? And, and look, when we get saved, do we become perfect? No. Will we ever in this life be perfect? No. That's why you find verses in the Bible, and a lot of times we'll go to this one verse, but 1 John 1, 9 was written to Christians. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. So a lot of people wonder, can a genuinely saved person lose their salvation? What's the answer to that? No. Now, that's a Bible answer you just gave. Because when you look at it, God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what kind of life? Everlasting. How long is everlasting? It's forever. See, this, this whole lesson this morning, it talks about being a child of God. And so listen, if, if we're talking about being a child, then we're talking about a parent-child relationship. When you look at this parent-child relationship, it's a wonderful relationship that helps us understand one of the greatest doctrines in the Word of God, and that is the doctrine of eternal security. I hope that you've studied that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, and actually, that if you look at the context, it's not talking about losing your salvation. In other words, um, I'm trying to think of the exact wording of the passage. Brother Flynn, you remember the reference? Yeah, I will give you an answer to that. But, it, but again, if you look at the wording there, a lot of times what you have to do is look at the context that it's given. It's given. I will actually 
spend a little time get you an answer on that because I'm having a hard time this morning drawing up the actual passage to know what it's about. But that's a great question. Because a lot of times when we see that, and I know your heart is, you just want to know, because you're, you're thinking to yourself, does that indicate then that you can lose your salvation? But let me, let me get an answer for you. And, and, and if nothing else, I can bring it up publicly or just to you, one or the other. But again, there's, there's the, the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Word of God. And there's so much scripture to support the fact that once we are saved, that we cannot be unsaved. And I'm actually going to talk about that in just a minute in the lesson. But this matter of eternal security is a great thing because when you talk about a parent-child relationship, all right, I have four children. And when you think about my children, when they were born, the the kind of relationship, a parent-child relationship is, is it's based on a blood relationship. In other words, my blood and my wife's blood flows through our child's veins. They are our children. Are you with me this morning? So, so understand, it's a blood relationship. That fellowship can, can be broken. I mean, in other words, there might be times where our relationship as a parent and a child is strained. Maybe there's something that comes up in their lives and it's strained. The fellowship can be broken, but that blood relationship can never be broken. Did you hear what I said? You cannot change the fact that, that my blood flows. We live in a day, I mean, maybe you've heard on the news, where children are, are wanting to divorce their parents. Have you ever heard foolish stuff? It's actually been in the news, uh, not, not recently. And, and I think, about, you know what that is? is that, that is, number one, it's sin. Number two, it's selfish. Uh, but, but the reality is, is that child can say, look, I don't want to be a part of this family. I don't want to recognize my, my maternal parents anymore. But that child can't change the fact that their blood flows through that child's body. And it, it's based on this blood relationship. So you will always have, uh, you will always be your parent's child no matter what. I mean, I am the son of Gary and Mary Lou Keeley. And, and no, no matter what happens, that will never change. Now, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, and for me, it's been 35 years, that, that accepting Christ, what happened is, is that relationship that I entered into with the Lord is a blood relationship, okay? Look what Peter writes in 1 Peter 1. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed or saved with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation, the life that you're living, received by traditions from your father, but with the we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So the Bible's clear that Jesus's blood covers our sins before God. So look, when we got, when I was physically born, let's see if you're following me this morning. When I was physically born, I was, I, I entered into a blood relationship with my parents because I am their descendant, their offspring, their child. When I got saved on January 22nd, 1984, I entered into a blood relationship with God that he is my father, I am his child because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you understand the passage this morning? And it's important that we understand this, this relationship that when we got saved, here's the word again, we were born again into God's family. A child can never be unborn. You can't undo 
a spiritual birth. You know why? Because man never did it. Remember Nicodemus's question, can a man be old and enter into his mother's womb a second time? <laughs> and Jesus was like, Nicodemus, that's not going to happen. That's when he told him, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so we see this relationship, it's a wonderful relationship, and no one can take your salvation, and no one can take your status as God's child away from you. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 10 in your notes. I love these couple verses, and they're great verses on eternal security. Look at these verses in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. Notice, my sheep. That means they are his child. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and he says, I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them, here it is again, eternal life, and they shall never perish. Now look at these words. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. See, you can't unsave yourself. God's the one that saved you. And he goes on to say these words. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and here it is again, no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Look, you look at that passage and the reality is, is that even when a child sins, like for instance, my children have done many things wrong, many things wrong in their life because they are my children uh, and, and they get all the bad stuff from me and not from her. But watch this, even though they sin, I still love them because they're my children. And when you look at the Bible and you look at God, God still loves us even when we sin. Now, God doesn't love the sin. It doesn't please God because we are his child when we do something. And so that's why you find in the Bible, here's a great verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number six. Let's read this verse together, all right? For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. We went to visit our children, and uh, I told my, I was talking to my daughters before we left, and I said to them, I said, hey, listen, my, my wife kind of cued them up and said, you know, your dad's probably not going to be happy just sitting around for days. And, uh, and so my, my wife kind of threw it out there and said, if, if there's anything you want your dad to do for you. And I, I enjoy that. I like to do things for my kids and I like to build things. My dad, my grandpa were the same way. And so my daughter, daughter said to me, we got to her house first. She said, dad, I'd, I'd really like a new table and so I built her a, a, a dining room table and a bench, and, and they, every day they use it. And the neat thing is, is I get to see them sitting at it, and they know that, that Poppy helped build it and all that type of stuff. And so I was building this, and I had some, some leftover materials, some wood that was laying around, some cutoffs and things like that. And my daughter says to me one day, my oldest daughter, she says to me, Dad, if you have any leftover material." If you, if you do, could you possibly build me a paddle? <laughs> and I said, uh, well, matter of fact, I, I actually do have some extra material. And, uh, it, and it was kind of funny because you probably have heard me tell the story, but when we built our house back in the early 90s, I was building a house for our family and 
Joy brought the girls out at the end of the day, and I always enjoyed getting this because I was working on the house until dark every night after I got off work, and so it gave me an opportunity to see her and see the kids But because then she'd take them home and put them to bed, and by the time I got home, they were already well asleep. And So they would come, and you know how kids are. They're excited about everything, and they're excited about the new house and all this, and they're running around, but I had a lot of power tools out, and I was concerned. I, I, I didn't want him to get hurt or lose a finger, any of that type of stuff. And the kids would come out, and they'd be running around. And, and, and one day, they just, you know how kids kind of get to that place where you're just like, that's enough. And they, they didn't stop. It wasn't enough for them. And so I told them, I said, if you don't stop, I'm going to take some of that wood right there, and I'm going to make a paddle. <laughs> and so I did. And that paddle is still at my house. Now, if you have children, I'll tell you this, the best thing that I, I have found is that, yes, I made that paddle, and yes, it was used, but the older my children got, the less and less and less and less it was being used. Now, I had fun with it over the years, because I would tell my children, I would say to them, even in their teen years, I would say, you know what, it's been a long time since we've got that paddle out. Maybe we ought to just blow the dust off of it for just good old time. And they're like, no, Dad, that's fine. Just leave it there. They've threatened to, to take it and throw it away and hide it and all that. So I'm here I am. I'm, I'm at my oldest daughter's house, and she says, hey, Dad, can you build me a paddle? Now, I know my daughter. She loves her four children. But she loves them so much that she's not going to let them just do what they want to do. And see, that's the way God is with us. Again, look at the verse. The Bible says here, whom the Lord, what's that next word? Loveth. See, it's, look, it's not about the chastening. It's not about the spanking. It's not about beating your child. It's about bringing about loving correction when there's sin, when there's something wrong. See, if you love them, you're going to correct them. If you, if you don't correct your children, you're really showing that you don't love them because what's going to happen, the, you read what the Bible says, a child left to himself, what's going to happen? He's going to bring shame to his parents and eventually it's going to go down the road of destruction. Uh, if you leave a child to themselves, that's the problem with the world today is children have not been corrected. You know, sometimes I see that out in public, and I, I have to control myself when I see it. A lot of times, you know, you think, boy, I'd just love to get a hold of little Johnny and help him out, you know, in the store. And little Johnny's not related to me. And a lot of times, it's not little Johnny that's the problem. It's little Johnny's mommy and daddy that's the problem. And, and look, if we love them, this relationship, we will, we will help. Well, what does God do? God will do whatever is necessary to correct our behavior. See, sometimes, you probably heard it said this way, God's going to do something to get our attention. Now, it may be a variety of things, but God loves us that much that God will always correct us. But, but see, God's correction is with restoration in view. In other words, God wants to restore. Remember what sin does? Sin separates us, right? So, when sin comes in a relationship, a child-parent relationship, then the loving correction that God brings about, what it does is it removes that sin that, that, that's driven a wedge between you and that person, 
in that relationship to where you can be closer together. There's a restoration that takes place. And so God, God disciplines us, but the reason he does is because he loves us. All right? Everybody with me this morning? How many of you think God loves you? Anybody else besides me ever been chastened by the Lord? <laughs> Look, I've never and I will never enjoy whoopings. You all know what a whooping is? Yeah. See, my part of the world, your mom or grandma ever go get a switch for you? You know, I never had a grandma with a switch, but if I would have, I would have feared her. I guarantee you that. But look at this, becoming God's child. But notice, secondly, is what are the benefits? Okay, that, that, that was a little positive, a little negative there. So let me give you something that might just encourage you this morning. What are some of the benefits of, of being God's child? Well, I love Psalm 68, verse 19. Let's read this verse together, all right? See it there in your notes? Here we go. Blessed be the Lord who daily... Even the God of our salvation, Selah. Notice those words. He daily loadeth us with benefits. That's why we say these, these words a lot. God is good all the time. Because God every day is, is, is giving you blessings and benefits in your life. Look at some of these that I thought about as, as we look at this this morning. What's one of the benefits about being a child of God? Here's the first one your family name. Now, my last name is Keeley. And when, when, a, when a child is born, they're given a first name and, and a last name. I remember when I was a kid and I, and, and I, was, I was born into a Catholic family. And so when, when you're Catholic, you have a first name, you have a middle name, a last name. And then when you get to a certain age, they give you what they call a confirmation name. And I remember they gave me all of that. You know, of course, I, I never could keep all that straight. But my my mom and dad, all of our names, first names, all started with the letter D. And, of course, until my, my sisters got married, their last name started with the letter K. And all of our middle names started with the letter M. And I, I used to think, until I was old enough, then I found out that my grandpa on my dad's side, he was one of 12 kids, and they actually wrote an article in the paper back when, when they were younger because they double-letter initial named each one of their kids. For instance, their first name and middle name were the same letter. They became the same letter. So my, my grandpa's name, his real name was Harry, and his middle name was Hensley. And so they double letter named all their kids, all 12 of them, you know. And people have fun sometimes with, with children's names and so on. But you think about this is oftentimes you have that first name, but it's that last name that really identifies whose family you're a part of. When I was in high school, and I went my passion back then, and I still love the game of football, and, uh, and so uh, high school, I, I started playing football when I was seven. When I, when I reached my freshman year in high school, I couldn't wait to go out for the football team. And so I, I got on the roster, we got ready, they fitted us with equipment, and we went out for our first practice, and that, that practice, we just had our helmets on, we didn't have on our shoulder pads or our pants that had the pads in them and all that type of stuff. We just had some, some uh, gym shorts, things like that, that we were wearing. But we went out on the field, and as we went out, we, we were freshmen. And we, we came, as we were coming out of the locker room, there were these giants, sons of Anakim, <laughs> otherwise known as the senior varsity squad. We walked out. I mean, I was like, 
I must have been like 120 pounds. I know it's hard for you to imagine me, 120 pounds, but I was when I was a freshman in high school. And I'm walking out there, and there's guys, that I'm like looking at Joe Weeks and Joe Weeks' brother and Joe Weeks' uncle. I mean, I'm looking at these guys, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I hope we don't have to play these guys, you know? And, and we're going out there. What I forgot was when we left the locker room on the way out, the coach had us line up, and he had, a, he had a roll of tape that was about three inches wide, and he stuck that piece of tape to the forehead of our helmet, and he took the whitest black uh, magic marker that he could find, and he wrote your last name on the front of your helmet so that when, when he wanted to yell at you on the field, he didn't have to wonder who you were. He just saw the name on your helmet, and he would yell at you. And as I was coming out, I forgot my name was on my helmet. And I came out, and as I was coming by all those sons of Anakim, and I saw the giants, and I felt like David without a sling. And I heard this one guy go, hey, it's a Keeley. And then I heard another guy, really? It's a Keeley. And I was like, what's a Keeley? And I'm like, I'm a Keeley. And I felt like a Scooby snack or something, like they were going to have, have me for lunch, you know. What I didn't know was my three sisters that I always thought were little angels, had picked on most of these guys. And they took out their wrath on me. That was one time I was not glad to be Achille. But when you think about this name that God has given to us, listen, I love Acts 11.26, because when people ask us a little bit about ourselves, the greatest name that was ever given to people that believe what we believe is the Bible says here that the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. They, this was a name that God gave to us. It means a follower of Christ. Hey, listen, people over the centuries have been mocked because of that name, a Christian. Anybody at your work or family members say, oh, you're a Christian? You know, they say it like that to you. By the way, when they say that to you, your response should be, yes, I am, and I love the Lord. Instead of hiding and cowering to that, say, listen, I'm glad to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when Peter and John, they were going to the temple that one day in Acts chapter 4, there was a man that was there by the gate, the beautiful gate, and as they were coming in, uh, they, 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 they offered the man the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. And, and he began to talk to him about the Lord. The man, man began walking and leaping and praising God. And, and the religious leaders of the day, they were not happy about that. And he, look at, listen to what they said about Peter and John in Acts 4.13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Hey, I hope people say that about me. I hope people say that about you. You know, there's something different about him because he's been with Jesus, because he's a Christian. It was a name, this name Christian, it was a name that the disciples were proud of. They were happy to be a child of God. You see, one of the benefits of being God's child is we receive that family name. But look at the second benefit is our inheritance. Look what Romans 8 says. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that, uh, that we are the children of God. And if children, 
then what? Heirs. And now look at these words. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I mean, folks, think about it. Everything that belongs to God, everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. That's what the Bible says. We're heirs, joint heirs with Jesus. I mean, folks, we cannot, according to the word of God, we can't fully, now you could try, but we can't fully describe what our inheritance will be. You know, the Bible says what it does say about heaven, but there's a lot that the Bible doesn't say. Uh, look at these verses here, or this verse here, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen physical eye, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Folks, I mean, we could talk about it. We could talk about that the streets are gold and the gates are pearl. You know, God's got a mansion there for us. But the reality is we can't even come close to describing the splendors of heaven. Look what Peter writes here about this thought about, about our inheritance. He says in 1 Peter 1, 4, it's an inheritance, look at these words, incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now you think about those three words that he uses to describe our inheritance. Here's what they literally mean is that our inheritance with God it's not going to decay, it's not going to deteriorate or perish, it's perfect. He then says that it is not going to be soiled and tainted, but yet it is something that is clean and unspotted, and he says it will never change, it's never going to grow old, and it will never lose its freshness. You think about heaven, God is taking good care of those things that he has for us. Remember, he's preparing for us a place. And so, look, one of the blessings about being God's child is, is we have the family name. The second one is our inheritance. Look at the third blessing. How about this? Our home. You see, uh, my mom today, she's, she's staying in a, a, a senior citizen's home, an assisted living type situation. Some of you have relatives and family members that might be in those types of uh, scenario. But when I think about what God is doing, God is providing long-term care for his children. Uh, look what the Bible says, and I just read some of these verses. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You know what, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he spent 40 days on this earth. Then he went back to be with the Father. That's where he is today. He's sitting on the right hand of God, interceding for us. And you know what he's doing? He is preparing a place for us. And, you know, and one day he's going to welcome us home. He's going to say, welcome home, my child. 
the Lord's going to come back for his own. And so one of the benefits of being a child of God is that our home, it's an eternal home in a place called heaven. And then look at letter D. The last one is, you think about this benefit, I love this, especially in this world we live in, is protection. That's one of the benefits. Nothing can happen to us without God's permission. Remember the story of Job? How Satan just wanted to just ruin Job's life. And remember what God says? He says, look, you can do this and this, but, but spare his life. See, Satan is on God's leash. He can only do what God allows him to do. You see God's protection with the children of Israel. Look in Exodus 14. Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today for the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Remember how God used the pillar of fire by day and by night, and how, how he led them to that place, to the sea. And, and by the way, it wasn't just maybe like water a couple inches deep. And God led them. God fought for them. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. One of the greatest comforts I have in my heart today is that God loves me. I'm his child, and he will protect me no matter what I go through. That's one of the most comforting things that I can think of. God's protection, like the Israelites, surrounds us. And the reality is, most of the time when God's protection surrounds us, we don't even know it, you know? Uh, we've had times where we've traveled and we were going to take off at a certain time and we didn't take off. Maybe we ended up taking off a half an hour, hour later. We get down the road and there was a huge accident on the highway. Had we left at that time, we would have been right in the middle of that. You ever seen God's protection in your life? God taking care of you as his child. And I love what Paul writes to those in Rome. He says, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. You know, God loves us, and he loves us, look, this much, that in spite of the fact of who we are, he daily loadeth us with benefits. Aren't you glad for the blessings? And there's so many others. That's just a sampling of the benefits of being God's child. But then notice number three is this matter of being the right kind of child. Do you want to be a child of God that is pleasing to your heavenly father? I hope you do. I hope you want to please God. And there's two ways that we can please him. One is through obedience. God wants us to obey him. And, and that starts early in our lives. Hey, look, they taught those little uh, Jewish boys, those little Hebrew boys. And, and look what it says in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So that's why God tells us as parents that we need to teach our children when they're young to obey. You know why, like, why teenagers and even young adults today have no respect for authority? Because they were not taught to obey the authority in their lives when they were a child. And God says, look, I want you to teach your children to obey. Look at Proverbs 22. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. We were at my daughter's house, and her one daughter was, she got out these, these cups, and she was, she was pretending she was making something. And my other granddaughter, who just happened, her first name just happens to be 
my last name. My daughter named her first name my last name. And she's about, uh, how old is Keely now? Two. And, and so she saw her older sister playing with some, and she had just set it all out on the, on, the, on the ground. And I saw this look in her eye. And she walked right across that living room and took her size three child shoe and just, <laughs> just kicked it all across. The, and the, of course, the oldest one, she's three, she, ah, she starts crying, you know, like, like, you know, the world ended. And I thought to myself, boy, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Look what it says in Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. How about Colossians 3? Children, obey your parents. Look at these words. In all things. Why? Because it's well-pleasing unto the Lord. God wants us to obey the authority figures in our lives. And you know what that also means? God wants us to please Him because He's our Heavenly Father. And when we do, it is well-pleasing. Uh, again, I think about in our lives how important it is to obey our parents. When I was a, when I was a kindergartner, now I know, I know this is hard for you to believe. When I was a kindergartner, I had a desire, I don't know why, I wanted to ride the school bus. I mean, I wanted to ride the school bus. I saw it go by my street a couple times. And so after school one day, and my parents, they told me, now you just wait after school, we'll be there to pick you up. And the school bus pulled up, and they opened the doors, and so you know what I did? I got on. And I rode that school bus. I didn't have a clue. You know how it is when you're that little, you don't, you don't know what your address is. You don't know where you live. And, and so I got on that school bus, and I rode, and I rode, and I rode. And finally, that school bus driver, he keeps looking in his mirror, and I could see him looking in the mirror. And finally, he sees me back there because I never got off at any of the side. And he says, he says, son, where do you live? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> now, the part of the story I don't remember is how exactly it all ended. I just know that that evening was not a good day. <laughs> was not a good day. And I should have listened to my parents. You know, I should have obeyed my parents. And listen, when we obey our parents, guess what? We're glad we did. And I, I never rode the school bus again after that. You know, God, God says, listen, don't just hear the instruction, but obey. And this is what God wants us to do. As somebody said these words, it's not how much Bible you learn, it's how much Bible you live. We need to make sure we obey God and, and again, we, a lot of times in our lives, we have the knowledge, but knowledge without obedience only increases condemnation. We are responsible. We are responsible for what we know because we have the truth. We have no excuse other than we need to learn to live by the truth. That's the only way we're going to please God as his child. And so we must please him through obedience and secondly, please him through faithfulness. Now, why? Because God has been a faithful God to us. He is ever faithful, and God deserves our devotion, our faithfulness to Him. He ever abideth faithful. And I love it. When you read in the Bible, here's what you find. In Paul's writings, remember, he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But when Paul writes, it is clear as you read his writings that Paul wanted us to know that God was his Father. He mentions that in many of his writings. 
And I think it's pretty clear that, that if God was if putting that on Paul's heart, that we should want others to know that God is our Father. And we are in a relationship, a close relationship with Him. And look, when our relationship with God is right, guess what happens in our life? All things fall into place. When we're obeying Him, when we're being faithful to Him, when we're pleasing Him. And it's important that we understand that we need to strive to be the right kind of child to our Father. What kind of child are you today? Now, again, God wants us to be His child, one that He's pleased with and one that He loves. And if, if for some reason there's something in our lives, remember this, and it's not a threat, it's just a reality that whom the Lord loves, He chastens and He scourgeth because God's not going to let us. And listen, I'm not interested in finding out what kind of paddle God has. I'd rather have God's arms around me, loving on me at all times. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you again for, for loving us, allowing us to enter into relationship with you as our father and we as your son and child. And I pray that you'd help us to live lives that are pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.